Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to this extra edition of the Game Podcast where we take a deep dive on what's happening at Derby County right now with a championship club in deep trouble. We were joined by the Chief Sports Correspondent at the Times, Matt Lawton, who began by giving us a full overview of their difficult financial situation. It's very serious. The fact is the EFL issued a statement towards the end of last week when they said that their money will run out by February the 1st. They quite literally don't have cash to run the club on a day-to-day basis to, to, to pay the players, to pay the staff, just to operate as a football club. So it's absolutely at a critical point. The cause of this, and Wayne Rooney cut to the chase in his press comments on Friday, the cause of this is Mel Morris, the guy that bought the club in well, took full charge of the club in 2015. And I have to say, I, I interviewed him not long after that. And I interviewed him with Sam Rush, the then chief executive. They ended up in a massive legal dispute, which was settled out of court in the end. But um, Morris came in and, and on paper, he looked, you know, and, and if Tracy Crouch, with her new recommendations for owners in, of football clubs, on paper, Mel Morris ticked all the boxes. He was a Derby-born have made half a, half a billion pounds out of um, the sale of Candy Crush, his his business, you know. So had loads of money, and had this ambition to get his boyhood club into the Premier League, but he he overspent. He he thought he knew better than everybody else when it came to how to run the club. Made some terrible decisions, and they started incurring massive losses. As a result of that, they started to look at the how they could avoid sanctions, the EFL profit and sustainability rules, um, because that limits you to £39 million worth of losses over three years. And they looked at different things. They looked at refinancing or, 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 or buying, basically using another company to buy the stadium. And then they also looked at something called amortization. And they, I, I genuinely think they thought they'd come up with something that nobody else had thought of. And it was a way of valuing their players. But when it came to valuing their players and submitting that within their accounts, it it was basically incorrect. And it meant that their accounts were distorted. And in the end, they got, they got sanctioned at the same time. And, and, and between that and administration have ended up with a 21 point deduction. But at the same time, Morris lost over the course of those five, six years, north of 200 million pounds of his own money and in the end has just pulled the plug has just decided enough is enough and has walked away put the club into administration and left them with loads of debt who's to blame though for the situation that they're in this week um because there are fingers being pointed at the administrators former derby Mm. owners and also the efl for some responsibility of them getting down to the wire almost in terms of this 1st of February deadline. Yeah, I, look, I, I can't really make a judgment on whether the administrators are doing a good or bad job. What I hear is that it's very, very difficult because there's all sorts of issues to address 
you know, it is not an attractive club to buy, Hugh, because at the moment, and unless a deal can be struck, um, you're buying a club where you don't own the stadium because because Morris still owns the stadium. And you've got all this debt. There's £29 million owed to HMRC. There's other football creditors, which adds up to about £15 million. And then there's a £20 million loan um, that needs to be repaid to Michael Dell, to MSD Holdings, you know, Dell of Dell Computers. So there's enormous debts. And you're buying a club that is now... Yeah, you know, Wayne Rooney's actually doing quite a good job. I know they lost against Forest at the weekend, but they've got a fighting chance of surviving. In all probability, you're going to pay between 30 and 60 million pounds for a club where you don't own the stadium and they could be in the third tier of English football by next season. So, you know, I've even heard a suggestion when I was talking to um, some of the fans groups last week who have been having meetings with them, you know, their representatives have been meeting with the administrators, meeting with the club, meeting with the EFL. And there was even a suggestion of taking another points deduction to basically to whoever buys it to pay less than the required amount to pay the creditors. And, and, and as a result of that, you, you get another points deduction, but that might be more attractive. It might mean that the club is still breathing, but you could be facing another 15 point deduction if you did that. So there's a, there's a hell of a lot going on. It's very complicated. And to be honest, it goes beyond my... Um, uh, my completely non-existent accountancy qualifications, but it, it, it's yeah. You know, there's there's three bidders in the background, but there's a reason why no one has struck a deal yet because it's really uh, you know one of the things to, to go off on another quick tangent. One of the things that was put to me last week that the, that the administrators I was told had told the fans groups was that they were trying to get because you got three bidders on the table. They were trying to persuade one of the bidders to in return for being given preferred bidder status. So this is not a done deal. This is preferred bidder status. So you become the exclusive bidder. They wanted a £6 million non-refundable deposit. Now, why would anyone do that? But the reason they're trying to persuade someone to do that is because they know that in about another week, there's no money and they need £6 million quid roughly to get the club to the end of the season. They've calculated that it costs about one and a half million a month to run the club, you know, to pay everybody's wages. And um, and that's how desperate it's getting. Matt, in terms of the Wickham and Middlesbrough narrative, obviously football gets incredibly tribal, no more so on social media. And I saw quite a lot of discussion around what a disgrace it was that these clubs weren't dropping their claims against Derby because that that was what was really holding this up. And I mean, mm. by, by the sounds of it, what you've outlined there, even without these claims, there would still be serious issues for Derby. I mean, ha- how much of a role are the Wickham-Middlesbrough issues in the overall problems that Derby are facing? Because some fans of Wickham and Middlesbrough are taking an absolute kicking for their clubs of despicable yeah. behaviour and things like that. Yeah, look, it's true that um, that those issues need to be resolved, Tom, but I think it is, unfortunately... Our own industry, I think, has put out stuff that is slightly incorrect from what I understand. You know, I was talking to people last week, talking to sources that certainly understand the, the borough end of things. And, and the, the Wickham, you know, the, the Wickham compensation claim is, is pretty minor, I think. But there have been figures banded around like 40 million that, um, that, 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 that borough are supposed to be after. It's much less than that. I think it's four or five million. And I almost think it's it's really a point of principle for Steve Gibson. 
Now, the fact of the matter is he, he, he attended, yeah, he was watching what was going on. And whether you agree with the, 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 these financial rules or not, they exist. And, and his view, his argument is that some clubs are abiding by those rules and subclub, some clubs aren't. And he could see that certain clubs in the championship were, were bending those rules in pursuit of the Premier League, in pursuit of this massive windfall that you get if you get in the Premier League with all the TV money, the hundreds of millions that you're guaranteed. And he grew so annoyed by that that he actually attended an EFL meeting in March 2019 and he accused them all of cheating. And yeah, it was that strong. I think he pointed the finger at a number of clubs and he called them cheats. And he's been fighting this, this war, if you like, ever since and, and fighting this, you know, pursuing this fight for justice, if you like, since then. And he really wants, you know, it's, it's obviously extremely debatable as to whether Middlesbrough would have been promoted in the season, I think it was 2017, 18, or was it 2018, 19? I'd have to look at the table again. But there was a, there was a season when Derby finished one point ahead of Middlesbrough and got into the playoffs. And I think Martin Samuel in the Mail wrote a column on this last week, and it was very good because it argued the point that they were actually they were on a bit of a bad run at the time. So the idea that Borough would have won the playoffs and secured that 200 million pound windfall is is a stretch. But at the same time. You can see the argument that if a club that wasn't abiding by the rules beat you by one point into the playoffs and had that opportunity, that you would feel in some way that you deserved some form of compensation. The thing is, and this is where I think the administrators do have a case to answer, is that I know Steve Gibson did meet the administrators in London last November. And as a follow-up to that, did make an offer, basically gave them a number that he would be prepared to accept. And it was four or five million pounds. Now that is not a deal breaker in the grand scheme of things. And it's still there to be negotiated, whether it's Mike Ashley or the, or the Appleby group or, or, or the third bidder. It's, this is not, yeah, that is not the issue that's stopping this. It needs to be sorted, but it's, but it's not the biggest stumbling block. I still think the biggest stumbling block is the 20 million quid that's owed to MSD. And I, it's very hard to know whether Morris is still applying any pressure um, with the administrators, because obviously if a deal isn't struck to, um, to, to, to cover that debt, when Morris agreed to that loan, when he took that loan, he not only put that 20 million pound loan against the value of the stadium, but he also provided a personal guarantee. So the issue he will have when basically by doing what he's done, he's tried to wash his hands of the whole thing and not incur any more losses is MSD will go after him personally. So there are all sorts of issues to be resolved. And as I say, I remember talking to a prospective bidder who had, who had looked at, you know, if you're buying a club, you, you get, you know, under, under certain non-disclosure agreements, you get a chance to look at the accounts. And I spoke to one prospective bidder last year and they just could not make the sums work. It just was not an attractive proposition to buy. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Just finally, on all of this, um, and this is a question for all of you, what, what do we think it means for football regulation in this country if Derby go out of business? Well, there's a rather dark side of me that when I reflect on being from the Northwest clubs like Bury and Macclesfield, which kind of disappeared without much of a fight and very, very quickly. I mean, Macclesfield in particular, we'd heard rumblings about their bad ownership for a while, but... I remember leaving work one evening and then coming back and Macclesfield had ceased to exist all in the space of about 12 hours. Um, so there's a dark part of me that almost thinks, and forgive me for this Derby fans, but it takes a club of this magnitude to be in this kind of a position and dare I say even go out of business for the for football to actually do something about this. I don't know, may, maybe we're already at that point, maybe down to the line with a club of Derby size, we're already at that point where something may now finally be done. But it's incredibly difficult because you, you know, Matt touched on Tracy Crouch's recommendations in what he was saying. We talked many, many times about fan representation, whether that would make any difference. But ultimately, it comes down to money. And when it's good drama and good entertainment, as we so often argue on this podcast, then clubs will overspend in order to achieve that. Quite often, I think the issue is is this: is that as I said earlier, you would have. Under any new regulations, you would have welcomed Mel Morris into Derby County with open arms. He was the dream ticket. And as I say, I think when I look back at when I interviewed him, he had good intentions, Hugh. He really did. You know, he, he had big ambitions, big dreams. And the fact that he, it was his own money, you know, this, this, this was not a Glazer-style takeover. He wasn't going to suddenly put the club in a load of debt. He was prepared to burn his own hard cash. And I, and, and I always think, all of these people are crazy because but that I mean, that they, isn't the that isn't the dream ticket though is it because if you create rules that say a club can't lose money and you create rules yeah. that say a club can't be massively in debt to its owner then you know that that means yeah. that you you never cre- you well, never no, have it, a it, Mel it, Morris as a dream ticket you can but, but, be but it's the, but it's very wealthy ticket. but not pour money into yeah. a football club but it's the dream ticket if you because we've seen it, you know we've seen historically that some people come in to buy football clubs just to flip them and make money and sell all their assets and 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 leave and leave them absolutely dead and buried i think i think what this what the derby county case highlights is the fact that by the time and it was you know i'm, I'm not without wishing to blow my own trumpet because i wasn't the only one it was journalists who highlighted a lot of this stuff it was journalists who li- highlighted the problems 
by the time they were being sanctioned, by the time that the EFL really got on top of this and, and started to go, well, hang on a minute, what on earth is going on here? It was too late. So I, I think what it highlights is, is the need for a sort of an independent style regulator who is actually, you know, it's all very well basically saying someone falls into the trap after three years, incurring massive losses after three years. I think there's got to be much closer, tighter regulation season on season to make sure that people aren't essentially driving something into the ground. And, and, and I think that's the thing. I think there's just got to be much closer attention paid to how much clubs are spending month on month, year on year, to make sure that they're being run correctly and responsibly so you don't have a situation where a club of this stature is on the brink of extinction. As you've researched this so thoroughly, Matt, I just wondered if you share my, oh, I don't know what I'd call it, despair, dismay at the concept of very heavy points deductions. It's like, you know, someone steals a loaf of bread, so you chop off their left hand and then they steal a leg of lamb, so you chop off the other hand, and then you chop off their feet, and you think, well, well, yeah, they they still need to eat. So it's just, it's like, oh, what what more can we throw at this club that might go yeah. under? Let's make it even worse for a buyer. Let's make it worse for the fans. No one's really mentioned the fans uh, mm. because it's weird when you talk about finances of a club. You suddenly forget what it might be like for if it was your club. If it was your well, club, I, it would feel so desperate, and then you just get stuff, extra stuff thrown at you when you're, you're very the very bottom of it it's going badly oh we're going to uh, we're going to take more points off you just to make sure you get relegated no one wants to buy you and and yeah. in the midst of yeah. all that they're playing well it's almost like some sort of tragic comedy i know i agree i agree and and i think i do I, i've always felt there are flaws with the financial rules anyway because of the fact of the matter is if you are no no one complained when blackburn were the richest club and they were spending all the money no one complained when you know, I still remember being. I still remember being on a holiday in in 1996 when I picked up. I was in Thailand and picked up a copy of the Bangkok Post, and Shearer was 15 million quid. I just I was like, 15 million pounds on a footballer. It was just absolutely mind blowing, and nobody was complaining then. That, as I say, that Sir John Hall was was basically outbidding Manchester United for Alan Shearer, and 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 and, and Jack Walker was was bankrolling Kenny Dalglish to win the Premier League title. I think if people have got the money, then, then you know, it, it, as I say, that it, that's a broader argument. I agree with you. The, the problem is, Alison, if you're going to have rules and there's going to be punishments, it would obviously be even more perverse to, to, to basically find them. You know, when they've run out of money, you go, right, you, you now need to give the EFL another 20 million for... For uh, for breaking the rules, what 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 other punishment can there be? What other? Well, you have to move other... away from. <laughs> Surely you have to move away from it being about being punishment centered. It mm. should be about you know. You, but then, you, but then, what a rule? No, but you, then you how know, do you, you apply what, rules? Do you wait? Do you wait for everything to go wrong and then apply punishment? You get in early and make sure it's fit for purpose. The way that you monitor club spending. I think I think that's the point. I think it's and we've seen it with Berry and we've seen it with other clubs where basically. By the time they reach the point of self-destruction, I don't think. I remember having a chat with Tracy Crouch about this when we did the interview with Tracy before Christmas in the Times, and she basically said that when you looked at the Berry case, no one really took responsibility for it, whether it was the FA, the EFL, whoever. You know what I mean? No one was really saying, "Ah, you know what? We, we, we we've taken our eye off the ball there. We've allowed that to happen." And I think that's where 
and I know there's a lot of opposition to the independent regulator, but somebody has got to take responsibility for monitoring English football clubs because yeah, you mentioned there, Alison, about the fans. You know, I was talking to the talking to fans groups last week and I listened in on a on a forum and it is for a lot of people it's absolutely devastating. This is you know, some people lives are hard and 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 and, and Saturday at at, at at the game is their is their sort of is the highlight of their week. You take that out of their week, that's devastating, and that's why that's why part of that uh, phone in on 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 it was like a Twitter forum on on Thursday night. They were talking about mental health, and they were they were give, they were providing phone numbers and places to ring. And that's why when I spoke to Jim Wheeler, the the the, the chair of the Rams Trust, that he told me that they were circulating a number of the Samaritans because for some people this is this is the be- this is as good as it gets is watching their football team on a Saturday, and those people have got to be protected. And this is the whole point that Tracy Crouch has done this report is because, you know, we all know that football clubs are the absolute heartbeat of commu- of some communities and nobody is keeping an eye on them sufficiently to avoid these kind of problems. Matt, just very quickly, because you reminded me, um, speaking then about the fans and the forums and the communication with the fans, reading your excellent piece um, at the weekend about this whole situation, Wayne Rooney is probably the only person in a senior role coming out of this with any credit isn't he I mean from the outside yeah. Yeah. a former superstar footballer goes and goes into management it could be all sorts of different things but this of all the jobs is a hell of a job and as well as Alison says they're playing quite well on the pitch in terms of his maturity with dealing with this situation it's remarkable isn't it you know what I was I was amazed and I shouldn't have been that amazed Tom because I went to a lunch uh, in Manchester a few years ago all the all the um, correspondents were invited with Rooney when he was Man United captain and he surprised me then because you know crikey I, I you know I was covering England when he made his breakthrough when he made that appearance in Sunderland against Turkey you know sat there in press conferences at different tournaments that he's been at but I remember being struck in that when we had lunch with him in, in Manchester and he was talking about, I won't say which player, but he was talking about a player who had bought a Rolls Royce and and basically as the captain of the club, the guy was in the reserves at United and they were playing at Altrigham, which you all know well, Tom, it's, I can virtually hear the goals going yeah, from exactly. my house. <laughs> he said to him... Um, do me a favour, he said. When you when you go to Altrincham later for the reserve game, um, don't 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 go in your Rolls Royce. You know it'll look really rubbish. You know people are paying like a couple of quid to get in to watch the game, and it'll just look really bad. And the, and the player ignored him. He went to a <laughs> he drove to a reserve game in his Rolls Royce, and really it was just like, oh my God, you know. Mm. And 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 I, I was struck by sort of his. The fact that he'd intervened in that situation as the Man United captain, I thought, blimey, okay. Um, and I know he's not perfect and he's had his issues and uh, as England captain as well and the whole sort of the way it all ended with Southgate and everything. But I have to say on Friday, I didn't know what to expect and I didn't know how he would... It was a Zoom call. It was a very unsatisfactory press conference, if you like. Um, but I didn't know how he would handle those difficult questions and as I say there were there was a 
there was a question much like the question we've just had here where he was almost given, I think it was by the Derby, BBC Radio Derby guy, invited him to have a go at Middlesbrough, Wickham, the EFL, the administrators. And he cut to the chase. He went straight for Morris. And it was pretty brutal, actually, his response. And, and then he came back to Morris again. And I thought, well, that's a man with it very much with his own mind who's worked out for himself what the issue is here. But the bit that really struck me, and it was a question... Uh, it was my question just about his, you know, relationship with the fans and, you know, had he had conversations with the fans when he revealed he'd actually been given all these guys, you know, the people like Jim Wheeler at Rams Trust and the other supporters groups, he'd given them all his number. Now, I made a joke about it and said, well, I'll, I'll give the, I'll ring them all back and see if I can get there, get your number. <laughs> I, I was really struck by that, that mm. he's taken that level of responsibility that he can, he can see and you could see with what he said, you know, the, the sort of how articulate he was in, in in expressing what it meant to the city. As I think, as one of our readers pointed out, actually, and he was accused of being a pedant on our website, but he did make the point that it's not just the city; the clues in the name, mm-hmm. um, and it is the whole of Derbyshire that this is yeah. affecting. But uh, which is a very good point. It was one of those points I was really annoyed about when I read it on, on our <laughs> website. But but but. No, he, he has taken responsibility. He's trying to do his bit. He he cares about the staff. He cares about, you know, he cares that there are people losing their jobs even now being made redundant because of this situation, because I'm sure the administrators are going to bring people in just so that we just can't, you know, whether it's catering staff or whoever it is, ground staff, you know, and I don't know specifically who's lost their job at the moment, but he, he, he just came across as someone who really cares about it because, you know, he could just you know turn up do his job and think well this is not my problem and 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 go home and he's obviously made a lot of money and and had a very successful career but i think he's been really affected by it and and that really came across but we shall see if wayne rooney and derby county can get out of it and i'm sure we'll be speaking again uh, very soon matt lawton thank you for joining us uh, on the game podcast